Hey, college kids. Welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? In today's episode, I'll be interviewing Leah. So if you could introduce yourself. Hi, um, thank you for having me. My name is Leah Conforti. I am currently an English teaching assistant um, working with the Fulbright program in Kosovo. I recently graduated last year from University of Maryland College Park, where I got a triple degree in anthropology, international relations, and French, and a minor in international development and conflict management. <laughs> Sorry. I know I said we would get into the list of questions, but can you explain how you did a triple major at UMD? Yeah. Um, very quickly. So... <laughs> Um, I was lucky that I came in with a decent amount of credits um, mm. from high school, which really helped out in terms of having to do gen eds. And then um, my minor and my government and politics major overlapped a lot in classes. So I was able to use classes for both the minor and my major. And then the international relations major also requires like a linguistic co- component. So doing French um, was something that I was already kind of going to have to do with my major. And I studied it in high school. Um, So I didn't have to take like 18 credits for most of my semesters in college. So it was a lot of work. Um, But yeah, I was able to to get it all done also with the help of a lot of great advisors at UMD too, who really helped me. All right. Okay. That out of the way, let's start with the Fulbright program. So can you tell us a little bit about the program? So number one, who qualifies for this program? Yeah. Um, so I'll just give like a little intro to the program itself if people haven't heard of it. Um, it is a cultural exchange program that is administered by the U.S. Department of State. And it has a bunch of different programs actually like under the whole Fulbright programs. Um, So I specifically am with the Fulbright student program, which gives out grants to people who are typically recent graduates of college. One of the requirements I believe is that you have your bachelor's degree but anybody can apply for it as long as you're like a US citizen, you have that bachelor's degree and I think you're over the age of 18. Um, So it's not just graduates, there's also, you know, working professionals, people who are um, at different points in their career further down the line. Um, But what I'm doing with the student program is an English teaching assistantship So this is one specific program within the student program. You can also do research as well. Um, And being an English teaching assistant means that you are placed with a host institution in a specific country that you apply to. And the whole goal is that you are there to help out with English language instruction, as well as cultural exchange between Um, the people of your host country and American culture um, and like different things about, yeah, life in the United States, studying in the United States, um, things like that. The whole Fulbright program is really focused on like cultural and public diplomacy and improving intercultural competence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for like, you said you're a teaching assistant, so you're helping to teach Mm -hmm. English. Are you teaching English at just like a regular middle school, high school, or are you teaching people who hope to go to like an American school or American college? Yeah. So um, one thing I can say about the Fulbright program is that the individual experiences of each person who's given a grant, um, they vary a lot based on what country you're in, what city or town you are placed in within that country and then what host institution you are placed in as well. So different countries will ask for different things. So some countries will ask specifically for English teachers for high school students. Um, Here in Kosovo, where I'm placed, it's primarily university level students. Um, So a lot of the people in my cohort are working at universities. I'm actually placed at the American corner 
which is a American space, which is, um, it, it's run by the United States embassy, um, to facilitate cultural exchange programs as well. So I do a lot of the kind of programming that you see at a library, like the American corner is within a library. Um, so that the people that I mainly work with in, so that's like the general public. Um, but it does tend to be mainly university students who are a little bit higher proficiency in English rather than like absolute beginners. Um, and some of these people are interested in pursuing study in the, in the United States. Some of them are just looking to improve their English. Some of them are just really interested in American culture. Some of them are just interested in learning um, different skill sets in English. Um, so it really varies based on what country you're in and what institution that you're placed in. Um, everybody who does Fulbright kind of has their own unique experience, which is one thing that's cool about the program. Mm -hmm. And for, like you said, the experiences vary and obviously like, you know, so many different countries, like so many different yeah. expectations, <laughs> but are there like any set responsibilities of each Fulbright scholar? Like, I don't know, do you have to like meet a certain required amount of hours? Are there certain like tasks you need to do for the state department? Yeah. So one of the things um, is that you have like a contract between you and your host institution. Um, so for our contracts here, we're required to work at least 15 hours um, a week, usually not more than that. Um, and then you work with your host institution um, to figure out what you can help out best with. So a lot of the program is about working with your institution to see where your skills can have like the greatest impact and the greatest benefit. So there's not like any specific set thing that says like you have to teach 30 hours of grammar to X number of students. Um, you more decide that and work with the person that you are um, assigned to. So if you're assigned to like a university, you are typically assigned a co-teacher. So somebody who is a university professor and you co-teach an English language class um, with that co-teacher. So um, because I'm at the American corner, uh, my hosts aren't really like co-teachers. They're more like my colleagues and my coworkers because they run the American corner and the programming at the American corner. So um, I to them before I came to Kosovo about sort of like my interests and my skill sets and what I had done before with English language learning. And then together we came up with like sort of a plan of where they think like I can help out best and um, what they really need help out with. Um, so things like that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now that we have like, a, I guess, overview of the Fulbright program and what it is, we'll get into your specific experience. And as mm -hmm. you said, each person's experience is different. So this is just Leah's experience. It's not like universal yeah. <laughs> to the Fulbright program. Okay, so let's start with your application process. When did you like first hear about the Fulbright program and like what, I guess, intrigued you? What like attracted you to it? Yeah, so I first heard about it. Like I was aware of the program because I knew a couple people in college who applied for it or were interested in applying for it but I didn't start actually seriously thinking about it and considering it until the summer before my senior year of college. Um, and I heard about it from like the scholarship office at the um, University of Maryland, because we have like um, a Fulbright advisor who specifically works with students interested in applying. And I just heard about the application opening through like a newsletter, like on an email chain. Um, and I have done in college this thing called, there's this organization at the University of Maryland called the English Conversational Partners Program, where I met with international students or international members of the University of Maryland um, community. And I helped them um, improve their English, like ask questions about life in the United States, like what things there are like 
culturally acceptable, like what things are different from their culture, like helping them sort of adjust to being um, an international student at like this giant public American university. Um, And I really liked doing that. I really liked the cultural exchange element of it. And I thought it would be really interesting to apply to the Fulbright program because they had um, positions available in Kosovo. And I studied abroad the summer of 2019 in Kosovo for my minor. I did a peace and conflict program at the American University in Kosovo. And I really liked the country. I really liked learning about the history there, the people. And I really like after that experience, I wanted to go back to Kosovo and I didn't really know how I would do that. And so I felt like the Fulbright program offered me like a really good postgraduate opportunity to combine like the cultural exchange elements, the getting international experience, and then also being able to go back to Kosovo. Um, And that's what really made me interested in it. Mm -hmm. And this is for more of like a general question, your major in college or minor, does it have to relate to like like the, I guess the goals of the Fulbright program, or can you really be any major and apply? Yeah, you can really be any major and apply. Um, A big part of the application is I think like your personal characteristics, um, like your work ethic and your values. Um, Like you don't have to be in English major to be an English teaching assistant. It certainly helps to have experience in some form of English teaching, um, but it's not like a requirement. Um, I think in the application process, it's really important more is your experience with like, if you have international experience, your reasons for why you want to go abroad, um, And more of like your personal character, because you are coming here as a representative of the United States. Like that is kind of one of the big parts of the program is you're here to tell people about American culture. And um, they're really looking for, you know, people who exemplify sort of good characteristics. Um, Yeah. I guess if that, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So let's go into like the application process. Mm -hmm. So I know college apps, you have your transcripts, your letters of rec, your essays and stuff, but what does the application process for the Fulbright program look like? Yeah. So, um, it's pretty long. Um, I applied in, I started my application the summer of 2020 and it was due, I believe, at the very beginning of October. Um, and like I said, the University of Maryland has like a specific Fulbright advisor. And I believe like a lot of colleges have like someone specifically to help you with full applications. And so you have to have um, like three letters of recommendation. You do have to send over your transcripts things like that. And then you also have to answer like, um, they have like short answer questions and you have to send in a personal statement as well, like a one page statement justifying like why you want to be an English teaching assistant or like why you want to do research, why you want to go to this specific country and why you think you're the best candidate. Um, And the process, like the application process is different for different types of grants. So like if you want to do a research grant, the application is different because you have to have additional components related to your research question and things like that. Um, so those are the uh, the components that I had to submit for being an English teaching assistant. Oh, and one thing before we talk about like actually your application, when you do the like research component, if you do know this because you're not on the research component, but if you decide to do the Fulbright for research is Fulbright specifically for cultural facilitation or can you, I don't know, there's like an amazing medical like hospital or something in like Europe and you can go there and do that. Is it like specifically cultural exchange or can you really do anything with the research? You can really do anything. It has to be related to your country um, that you're applying to. 
And so the application process is different mainly because you already have to have like somebody willing to host you like in the country, like somebody who will be your point of contact that will help you like keep you on track with your research and things like that. Um, like for example, there are a couple people in my Fulbright cohort here in Kosovo. Um, one person is looking into like international engagement and democracy in Kosovo. And the, um, another person is looking into like maternal health policy issues in Kosovo. Um, so you can, you have a lot more freedom, I think when you're doing research, um, but you already have to have like your question defined and ready when you apply. Like you don't like come to Kosovo or whichever country you apply to and then figure out what you're researching. You already have to have it all planned out. Oh, okay. Okay. That sounds interesting. That's much broader than I thought the Fulbright program was. Okay. So to your yeah. application now, so like obviously you submitted your transcript. Let's go into letters of rec. So besides just saying you need three letters of rec, are there any requirements? Like they need to be from professors or they have to be from like some person you've interned with like what are the requirements for recommendation letters um I believe I'm not sure if I had a requirement for one being like academic one being like I think it was pretty broad because I asked um my boss at work and then I had two academic references um it's mainly people who can speak to like your skill set and why you would be a good candidate. So like I specifically asked um, like my professors who were involved with the courses that I took on like about Kosovo. Um, like one of my professors was one of the professors who was on the study abroad program I did in Kosovo. So I knew that he could speak about my experience in Kosovo. Um so that was a big part of who I was thinking about when I chose people um, as references is like, how can they speak to my best qualities as a candidate? And when you do these recommendation letters, are you looking for someone who can attest to the specific um, like thing that you want to accomplish? Like you wanted to do cultural exchange, but could you just have done some like mentor you've had that can just really just speak to your character is it more like they're looking for your yeah. skill set or is it more like character they're looking for um i would say both are important um like i didn't have any recommendations that spoke specifically about um my skill set as like an english um teacher or any of the work that i had done in um in like doing english language stuff so I didn't have any references that were specifically related to like the English teaching aspect of my application, but I did look for people who knew about sort of things like my management skills, like how I interacted with other people, um, people who could speak to me as like, who could speak to my international experience, like what kind of I per person I was like in another country. Um, so those sort of things, because um, there are lots of like transferable skills that apply to Fulbright that aren't like specifically related to the work that you're doing that are also important because it is like you're living in a foreign country, you're representing the United States, you are supposed to be, you know, working with a host institution. So they want people who are like responsible, like people who are adaptable. Um, I do think it would be really good like having anybody who can speak about, you know, cultural competency, like interpersonal skills, like that is like a really big part of the program. Um, so the character and the skills um, are both pretty important. Um, but I, I think probably your character would probably be a little bit more important than having somebody specifically speaking about when you did English teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to your essays. You said there was one personal statement and then there were some supplemental essays as they are on the college app. Yeah. So can you talk about like, what was the prompt for the personal essay, personal statement, and then like your process, like how did you approach it and how did you come to what you wanted to actually talk about? Yeah. Um, 
that was one thing I was glad that I started my application early because it took me a while to do that personal statement because it has to be only one page, which at first, like one page seems like really long. And then I was like, wait, this is actually like super short. Um, and I believe that the prompt was really just like, tell us why you'll be a good candidate and why you want to like go to this country. So I knew that I really wanted to highlight my time in Kosovo because I was applying specifically to go to Kosovo. And then I also wanted to highlight the times that I had done English teaching, but also the times where I had like leadership roles or like roles where I had to interact with other people with like doing like teamwork, collaboration, communication, things like that. And then um, I also of it too is like what do you hope to get out of this program and so I also wanted to like put that in there as well um and so my personal statement went through like many different drafts and a lot of people looked over it for me to help me um really narrow it down um and so my process was kind of trying to tell like a little bit of like a story so I talked about, you know, studying abroad in Kosovo being like, I really enjoyed my time here. Um, I always wanted to come back. And then talking about like the times where I had sought out like intercultural exchange back in the United States and what sort of skills that had given me. And then like talked about why I wanted to be an English teaching assistant in Kosovo and how it would help me like in the future. So that's how I approached the um, like the personal statement part. But I think that was definitely the hardest part of the application for me. And then so with like, I'm sure you have like memories of this, but like when you're writing a college essay, you're writing your personal statement, you need like some sort of if you want to like be effective with your essay, some sort of hook. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that's an experience that's out of this world, but you have to make it so personal to you and yet engaging at the same time. So it's like a really well-built story and not just saying like, I've accomplished this, I've done this, blah, blah, blah. So writing this personal statement, is it similar to a college app where you're trying to like hook them on like the first line and create this really cool, intricate story? Or is it more like, I want to do this like you're specifically saying like, I want to do this because of this. I really like Kosovo. This is what I learned when I was studying abroad and therefore I want to go back. So like, how do you write the actual essay? Um, I think that it is pretty similar to doing like a college essay in the sense that it's, it's not like a resume or really like a, you're not just regurgitating your past experiences. You want to create a narrative. Um, so it is good to have it, have your, your statement sort of framed around maybe like one specific experience um, or a couple of specific experiences, um, because you're also trying to show not just like all of your skills, but you really do want to create that narrative of how you got to like the place that you're at right now and how you think the Fulbright program will help you going forward. So you have to think both about your past experiences and then also what you want to get out of the program. And you don't want it to just be like, oh, like I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Um, you want to try to create that narrative more because you do also, I believe that I, I sent in resume as well. So they they have like a list of my like actual like experiences. Um, so you want to just choose like, one or two things to really hone in on in that personal essay that will demonstrate, you know, why you're the best for this program and what you can get out of the program and what you'll bring to the program. Mm -hmm. And just before we get to, I mean, obviously you got in, but we need to hear about your reaction when you did. So how competitive is the Fulbright program? Like, like, I guess how many people apply and then like, if you know of what the acceptance rate is. Yeah. Um, so again, it depends on what country you apply to. I mean, it's a fairly competitive program. Um, it is considered like a prestigious grant to have. Um, and the competitiveness, like your chances of getting 
in, I think, do depend really on what country you apply to, because a lot more people are applying to sort of a well-known country like France compared to a country like Kosovo that is small and most people don't know about it. Um, so like when I, I remember talking to my advisor about like where I wanted to apply and when I told him about Kosovo, he said that was like a really good option um, because my other options were French speaking countries. And he's like, all right, like a lot of people want to go to French speaking countries. A lot of people speak French, studied French. Um, and he was like, Kosovo is a good option because like, I think the year before me, like maybe 20 people had applied. Um, and then also the competitiveness depends on how many people that country is accepting. So um, it changed a little with the whole COVID pandemic because some people had their grants delayed and then they were still offered them the next year. So the cohorts this year are bigger than normal. Like Kosovo normally accepts like four people um, and other countries accept, they might accept 30. Um, so it kind of depends on what country that you're looking to apply to. Um, so you do have to, I think, apply strategically when you choose Fulbright because it is a competitive program in general. And then it can become even more competitive depending on what country you want to go to. Like if you're trying to go to like Germany, like that's a lot harder to get into because like a lot of people want to go to Germany. Um, so you have to be strategic. And with the Fulbright program, you only like you do your application and you only submit to like one country. You can't just say like, this is my number one, number two, number three. It's like you just have one shot at one country. Yeah, that's how it works, at least for the English teaching assistantship. Um, I can't speak to the other programs, um, but that's how it worked. I applied specifically to Kosovo. My entire application was framed around Kosovo, and I didn't apply to any other countries. Um, there wasn't like an option for me to like rank countries or anything like that. Um, and... I didn't ask during my application process if you can apply to multiple countries at the same time. So I'm not sure if that is an option. Um, but your application is tailored to one specific country. Oh, and we didn't talk about, oh God, we didn't even talk about the supplementals yet. So if you could, like, what are the generally the supplementals and are they like, are these more specific to the countries you're applying to? So like, can you tell us a little bit about the supplements? Yeah, they're, um, I don't remember all of, all of the questions. Um, I should have pulled up my application, but um, they were a little bit more specific about like the English teaching. Like I do remember one of the questions being sort of like, what cultural things would you want to share um, like as an English teaching assistant? Um, they also like, because cultural exchange is a really big part of the grant, they encourage you not to just be involved with your host institution, but also to be involved with like outside organizations, like either volunteering, maybe doing some sort of independent project. So one of the questions was also about that, like what I would want to do outside of just teaching. Um, so the questions were a little bit more specific to the teaching component. Yeah. All right. So one more thing before we get into your specific experience, like, you know, you actually coming to Kosovo and you living. So when you have, you said the Fulbright program is one of the most prestigious grants to get. And obviously you're not doing the Fulbright program forever. So when you are finished with your, um, and we can talk about like how long this Fulbright program lasts for, but once you are finished with um, your time with the Fulbright program, like, does it look good when you're applying to like postgraduate degrees? Does it help with like job placement when you come back? Like, what are the benefits to you having the Fulbright program on your resume? Yeah, um, it does look good, I think, on your resume. Um, one benefit that you get, it's kind of similar to, like, Peace Corps in the sense that you get, like, a um, like a competitive hiring within, like, the federal government. Um, so, like, that is a benefit. Like, you get that for, like, a certain amount of time after you come back from your grant. 
you get like a certificate of completion saying that you've done this grant, you get access to like a network of other people who are Fulbrighters. That's really good for like building your network and making connections with other people. Um, so yeah, I think that especially depending, like for me, I want to work in international relations and international development, um, doing international global work. And so having that international experience on my resume is I think also like a really big plus for the program. And it also, if you want to do like English teaching, um, it's also, you know, like really helpful because it shows that you've, you know, done that in a classroom in like a very unique setting. All right. So let's talk about your experience as a Fulbright scholar. So, I mean, you got into the program, presumably you took a plane to get to Kosovo. (laughs) So once you did arrive here, what was like the experience, like, you know, housing, what was like your schedule? Did you come like two weeks prior to like you actually starting? So I guess, tell us about like the beginnings of coming to Kosovo. Yeah. Um, so it was, again, it's like unique for everybody. And it was also like very unique considering like COVID as Mm -hmm. well, like really changed a lot of stuff. Um, so like I said, I applied, like I submitted my application in October. I found out I was a semi-finalist in January and then I got my finalist confirmation, I think at the end of April, Um, so it took a while for me to actually like learn that I had gotten the, the grant. And then over the summer, like in the past before COVID, what they did was like a week long in-person orientation where you get to meet like alumni, you get to talk to other people who are going to your country. Um, you get to talk a little bit about like teaching strategies, things like that, um, where I did that all online because of COVID. So I had like a whole month where I was basically doing pre-departure orientations related to English teaching and like going to Kosovo. Um, Like I took like a miniature like TESOL class to help with like English teaching strategies, things like that. Um, And again, it was kind of weird because um, like COVID cases were like spiking in Kosovo over the summer. Mm -hmm. So there was like a month where it was unsure if the program was like officially happening or not, if it was going to get pushed. Um, So everything I think was a little bit more last minute for me than it has been in like prior years. Um, I think I booked my tickets maybe like a month before I left. Um, And then I did arrive like two weeks before um, my grant was supposed to start or more like probably like 10 days. Um, And I started off with just like having an Airbnb with a couple other people on the program. And that first week while I was there, we have like embassy contacts um, because like the U.S. embassy uh, technically oversees us along with another um, NGO called American Councils. They're like the people who kind of like make sure that we're like doing okay. Um, they like provided us with like a realtor's contact who helped us find like housing. Um, but you do kind of have to do like the housing stuff like on your own. Like they don't provide you housing, at least grant. Um, I'm not sure if that's different in other countries. Um So, and then we had another in-country orientation, like once we got there, where we actually kind of like got to meet everybody in person. um, And I got to like go meet like the people that I would be working at with at the American Corner. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. So like you just cut off there. So I wasn't sure if you were like speaking in like, I don't know, it wasn't there. Yeah. Um. I don't think there's anything I forgot to include. Um, they do. So we get like a a stipend, like a grant. Like there is a set ne- amount of money that you get and they give you the, they disperse it over like several different payments, like while you're here. So like prior to coming, they do give you like um, a large amount of your grant money. So it's not like you're buying your plan 
plane ticket, like on your own, like you have like your grant money to do that and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your day-to-day life in Kosovo. So after like the orientation stuff, after maybe like you started at the American corner and they were still doing like, I don't know, training for you. Once you started getting into like a routine, what did that routine look like for you? Yeah. Um, and again, this is something that it's different for every single person. Um, but for me at the American corner, I have kind of a unique position compared to other people in my cohort because people in my cohort are placed at universities and um, they like have a specific like class schedule where they teach, where for me, I worked out my own schedule with the American corner um, because I get to basically design and create which classes I want to offer at the American corner and like when I want to offer them. Um, So my day to day um, I, we actually like figured it out like very quickly as soon as I got to Kosovo and met with my hosts. Like they were very friendly, like they're super nice people. I love working with them. Um, and they're very easygoing. And so I work Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, um, where I come in at 8 30 a.m. and I leave at 4 p.m. And then um, I come in as needed if I plan plan like a class for Friday at a certain time. Um, and so while I'm at the American Corner, I am usually planning out like what classes I'll be doing in the coming weeks, like what co- kind of programming I'm going to be offering. I also do a lot of like social media stuff because that was one thing that my um, like my hosts really wanted from me is, um, to help them with like sharing American culture, like on their social media, doing things like that. Um, and then I also like help out with like proofreading grants and documents and things like that. Um, but it also, it kind of like changes based on the month. Um, and sometimes based on the day, based on like what my like hosts need from me. Um, but I fell into a routine like pretty quickly here. I know it can be very different if you're placed at a university, especially because, um, the university system here in Kosovo, the scheduling system is very different than what it's like in the United States. Um, and so your schedule can, that sort of day to day can be very different when you're actually like placed at like a university. Um, but for me, I got lucky that I had a lot of freedom over what my day to day looks like. And on the days that you're like not in there from eight thirty to four, and you like don't have a class, are you like expected to do something else, or are you just like free to explore the city? Like, what do you do on your days that you don't necessarily have to be at the American Corner? Yeah, so they really strongly encourage that you get involved in something out of your work, whether it be like hearing like an internship something like that you're not allowed to have a job um you cannot be getting any other source of like income while you're on like the Fulbright grant that is one of the requirements um so I specifically looked for like internship like volunteer internship opportunities with organizations that I'm like interested in so I work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at the American Corner, but then I also work on Mondays and Fridays and also Saturdays doing different volunteering things. So I work on Mondays and Fridays with an NGO called the Youth Initiative for Human Rights, which does human rights promotion um, and like youth empowerment. And they do a lot of stuff with the um, like peace and reconciliation process here in Kosovo. And so I do like volunteer work for them doing things like um, English language, like social media, um, like proofreading documents, like putting together like materials for like grant proposals, things like that. I just do it like part time because I'm like a volunteer. Um, And then another thing that we do here as a like Fulbright cohort is um, so there's a U.S. military base here in Kosovo located in um, this town called Farizai. And the camp is called Camp Bonsteel. And right now they are housing um, 
a decent amount. I think I'm not, I'm not sure of the specific number, but there are um, evacuated Afghan refugees um, who are being housed at a refugee camp at Camp Bonsteel. And we provide English language teaching for the, um, the Afghan children there on Mondays, Tuesdays, and then also on Saturdays. So I volunteer with that on um, Mondays and Saturdays. So I like actively sought out other opportunities. Um, and that's something that's very encouraged by the Fulbright program. Like you're not supposed to treat this as like a vacation experience where it's like, oh, you work 15 hours a week. You can just spend the rest of the time like traveling around. Like you are supposed to be working um, like in your country. Um, and that's not to say that they don't encourage like travel, um, especially like here in Kosovo, a big part of like understanding the history here is also understanding the history of the Balkan region. Um, so like they do encourage you to also, you know, travel and do things like that. But your main focus is supposed to be like your work and your engagement in Kosovo. And since you like Kosovo so much, can you tell us a little bit about the country itself? Because not, ma- not many people know about Kosovo. So can you tell us a little bit about its history and what you found so like attractive about it when you first studied abroad? Yeah. Um, so I will just give like a short and simple version as much as I can, because the, the actual like history of Kosovo in the Balkan region is like super, super complicated. Um, but for, I like, I did not know about Kosovo, like as a country before college and before I like learned about it while I was doing peace and conflict studies. Um, but it's located in the Balkans, which is a region in like Southern Eastern Central Europe. Um, so a lot of people, if you're not good with geography, I would usually tell people it's South of Serbia. And if people don't know where Serbia is, it's north of Greece. Um, So that's kind of where Kosovo is. And it's like a tiny country. I think it's comparable to Delaware, like the state of Delaware in size. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really small. And a big part of its history is um, that like how I first learned about Kosovo um, was the conflict in the 1990s. The Yugoslavia Republic broke up in the 90s and there were a bunch of different conflicts and wars in the Balkan region between like different countries um, as like this republic like broke apart Um, and it's it's super complicated so I'm I'm not going to go into it I definitely could not give it justice um, because it's a super complex issue and I mainly know about Kosovo um, but there was essentially Kosovo was an autonomous region in um, in Yugoslavia. And one of the main reasons for, like one of the main actors in the war was Serbia, um, who controlled, okay, it's kind of complicated. So you might need to edit this part a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of like the best way to explain it. Um, But essentially you had like Serbia, um, which was part of the Yugoslavia Republic. And they had a dictator, uh, Slobodan Milosevic, who wanted to create like a greater Serbia, this sort of like ethnically pure Serbian state. Um, And part of that was trying to control this region of Kosovo. because there are these two main ethnicities, the Albanians and the Serbs, who um, both have really strong like cultural and religious ties like in Kosovo. And a big part of Kosovo's history is the ethnic tensions between Albanians and Serbians. Um, and essentially in the 1990s, Serbia was conducting a genocide campaign against Kosovar Albanians in attempt to control their like this area of Kosovo. Um, And like I said, it's like a lot more complicated than just that. 
But in the 1999, um, the United States got involved um, through NATO and there was a NATO bombing campaign that essentially ended um, like the war between Serbia and Kosovo um, and ended up with Kosovo becoming a a territory that was administrated, um, like it was overseen by the United Nations, um, but it was independent from Serbia. Um, and then in 2008, Kosovo officially declared its independence from Serbia. And right now, Kosovo remains a partly recognized country um, in the international system. So Kosovo is not a member of the United Nations. Um, and it's not like fully integrated into the international system because it's not officially recognized by all of the countries um, in the world. And a lot of that is due to various like geopolitical reasons, like Serbia has close ties to Russia. Russia has like membership on the UN Security Council. So like Russia will veto like any attempts to make like Kosovo, like an independent state, like Russia doesn't recognize Kosovo independence. Like there are lots of different complicated reasons for each country on why they do or don't recognize Kosovo. Um, and that was one thing as an international relations major, like self-determination and statehood is something that's really interesting to me. So I found that part of Kosovo very interesting. Um, but I didn't, like I said, I didn't know about Kosovo until I studied abroad here in 2019. And I found Kosovo and the entire like Balkans region to be very fascinating um, because of its history and also like the place that it's at now. Um, like one of the things that I talked about in my application um, and one of the things that made me like really, really want to come back to Kosovo is like the people here are some of like the nicest people that I have ever met like in my entire life like they're incredibly welcoming um and they're also like really resilient people who you know like just 20 years ago you know have been living in war um and they've come back and they've like really built rebuilt their lives and they're trying to you know just create like a better future for themselves and their country um and that's like one of the things that I really like about Kosovo. Um, Kosovo is also very unique in its relations to the United States. Like there are really strong ties between Kosovo and the U.S. because of the NATO campaign in the 1990s. Um, like there's like a Bill Clinton statue here um, in Pristina. There's like a Bill Clinton Boulevard. Like people um, really like Americans here. Um, not everybody does. Like I'm not going to generalize. Um, but that was something that was like very interesting to me when I came here um, because I'm also, you know, interested in the way that the U.S. engages in the world. And a lot of, I think, U.S. interventions have gone very, very poorly. And a lot of countries don't like the United States for good reason. Um, so it was very interesting for me to come to a country that was so happy to have like a U.S. presence here. Um, and that was something that was very interesting to me. Um, I know this is like a super long answer at this point, um, but I really love Kosovo um, and I love like the people here and I think it's just like a super interesting country and it kind of makes me sad that a lot of people in the U.S. like don't know about Kosovo because it's not really taught about like in schools. Like I didn't learn about the breakup of Yugoslavia and like all of the conflicts in the Balkans. Like I didn't learn about that in high school or in any of my classes until I came to like doing specialized like peace and conflict studies in college, um, which like not everybody is gonna do that. Um, but a lot of people here in Kosovo, like they love America or they're really interested in America. They wanna know a lot about America or a lot of people here know a lot about US history and US culture. Um, and it makes me kind of sad that like people in the U.S. don't know as much or aren't as aware of Kosovo. Um, so I hope that like people will look into like the country and the region and try to like learn more about it because um, it's a really cool place. Well, we can definitely tell how much you love the country. 
<laughs> it, was, it was a very good like history. Thank you for that. All right. So we're going to wrap up here. And my last question is, I do this like on every podcast. Who would you recommend the Fulbright program for? Like there are obviously going to be pros that people are going to find pros. People are going to find cons, but ultimately what is like, like, yes, you should do the Fulbright program if you genuinely feel this way or you want to accomplish this. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great program for people. Um, especially if you are just coming out of college, um, it's really great for getting international experience. If that is something that you are searching for, um, if you want to live in another country, um, if you are interested in other cultures, like if you are specifically interested in learning more about a specific place or a specific culture or maybe a specific language, it is a great way to get that sort of direct cultural immersion because you are living in that country and you're working with people from that country. Um, I would really recommend it for for people who are looking for that like cultural exchange experience. Um, if you are interested in teaching English at some point in your like career or future, or especially like working with um, like international students, um, working with um, English as a second language students, um, it's a really great experience for getting um for getting that sort of experience. Um, but you can also do research. You can also do other things. Um, so it is like very broad. I would really recommend it. I think for people who are looking for international experience, who are really interested in learning more about the world, learning more about like maybe a specific part of the world who are people focused. Um, like if you're, you really like working with other people, um, like that, like it's, it's great for that. It's great for, um, that sort of cultural exchange aspect. Um, so I think that if you're looking for those kinds of things, it's a great program. Um, it's also nice because it's, it's nine months. It's not like your whole life. Um, I know like Peace Corps and Fulbright attract like very similar people. Um, but you know, Peace Corps is two years and that can be very intimidating for some people. Um, and so Fulbright, it's like nine months, it's shorter. Um, so I, I think it's like a really great opportunity, um, for like that kind of, those kinds of people. All right, Leah, thank you for coming. And it's very late in Kosovo right now. I know. So have a good night. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. That's it for my interview with Leah. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you are interested in the Fulbright program, I have left a link down below in details. Make sure you subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Next week, I'll be releasing an episode with a high school senior who has gotten into Duke University. You do not want to miss that. Hope to see you then. Bye.